seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. In today's episode we are going to talk about, or rather discuss, core wounds and where they come from and how we can work towards releasing them. Core wounds essentially refer to uh, the original sensitizing events or the original woundings or the trauma that that we have experienced as children and oftentimes we don't recognize these uh, events when we're children as being significant in our adult lives because we are looking at them from a perspective of being an adult and all the experiences we've had between the core event and when we are uh, reflecting on them. So there are different techniques and paths and uh, tools that you can use to uh, discover your core wounding but also to resolve them and release them. One of those tools is the program called the Infinity Life that is uh, specifically set up for this purpose and uh, it is a project I'm a co-founder of and uh, uh, heavily involved in. It is a process of giving people tools and techniques to uh, allow them to release their core woundings and to clear their energetic blocks. So after you've listened to this episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast, perhaps head over to theinfinity.life and learn more about uh, the course and how you can help others after completing the course to release their core wounds and clear their energy blocks. Now let's get into the discussion and learn more about the topic so that you know what to expect. I hope you enjoy this uh, episode and so now here we go. Esra Baida wrote a book at home in the muddy water and in that she quoted, uh, she was quoted to have written, to avoid experiencing the anxious quiver at the core of our being, where we might feel the chaos of uncertainty and the pain of unheeded, unhealed wounds, we weave a protective cocoon of beliefs and identities. And I think that really describes how we, we treat our core wounds, because the core wounds, they... They are negative experiences that become a belief, a belief system and patterns and become part of our personalities. Uh, so, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you may form the opinion that you're not enough or uh, you are unlovable or can't do anything right, uh, money is bad, whatever it might be. And all of these beliefs become so ingrained they become habits for you uh that they they become challenging to release and also what we tend to do is that we tend to bat away the feelings or the emotions that relate to these core wounds when they come up when, what we talk about oftentimes is to you know about integrating your shadow or integrating your uh, core wounds so now they're what builds up, uh, or rather how these core wounds manifest as patterns in your life, are the limitations and the uh, blockages that appear. So when we do, for example, Barbie and I, we do uh, energetic clearings together, we, we do kind of clear out those energetic blockages or uh, energetic uh, uh, limiting beliefs, if you like. But then it's up to you to integrate the uh, core wound or integrate the uh, shadow beyond that. 
It, it just releases the ability to do that. Many of you have previously heard me say that don't waste a good trigger, right? And the trigger is a, a clue to find your core wound. Because the core wounds, a lot of times, can be very, you know, when we grow up and we look back and we discover our core wounds, we go, oftentimes we look at it and we go, why, why was I so concerned about this? Why did I take that on as a, a belief system? We basically take, make a mountain out of a molehill. But we have to look at it from the perspective of that person we were then, if we're a five-year-old child or something. Um, with the, the limited cognitive uh, abilities that, or the, the uh, limited development of the brain that you have as a five-year-old, or it might be past life. So it, oftentimes it, it can be difficult to uh, discover. It is one of these things that is lodged very heavily and very securely, if you like, within our systems, because it is something that we've really taken to heart and taken as a fundamental truth in our, uh, in our bodies uh, and in our lives. So oftentimes, when I, or rather when I was going through my, my process or when I started working on my core wounds, a lot of times the people around me would say, well, that's good. So just go and heal your core wounds. And I had no idea how to go about it. I had no clue what they were talking about. So that's why I suppose I asked myself the question and I developed, developed my own process in how to deal with my core wounds and to heal them. And that's where I came up with the, or where, where I was given, I suppose, by my higher wisdom or whatever you want to call it, uh, the compassion, acceptance, uh, forgiveness, and gratitude process, uh, which for me, it has worked very well. But as everybody else, I get blindsided from time to time. And uh, it's, it's uh, those times that we, we have to work with uh, observing our own experiences. So I think an important thing is the fact that a lot of times what happens is that we have all of these messages as you were talking about. And this is a really important topic in the next couple of months. It'll even be, be more important because... Christopher and I are also working on a business model with this as well, which is going to be even more exciting. But I think that one of the things that I realize is the fact that I'm always the tall poppy and, or have been in my, in the past. And so ultimately it was always the idea about like, you know, that you're, you're not lovable, you're not enough and all that stuff it tends to be the core one for most people. But as per usual for me, my issue is usually like the one center of people who have a different issue. And my issue is basically that I've always felt like I'm too much. And it's always like, turn the volume down, turn the volume down. You're too much. Your personality is too big. You're, you, you know, you laugh too, too hard. You're too happy. You're too, you're too cheerful. You're too like all this kind of stuff. And so it's like, almost like a lot of times you, you beat the happy out of the child. And you get to the point of where the child just keeps feeling like, you know, it's not safe and it's not okay for me to be like me. And so as a result, I'm realizing now that, you know, as the TV show is launching and everything's going on around the world, that I just needed to basically open up myself to my own vibration through years and years of, of you know, of work to be able to shift and, and see a different perspective. But by the same token, now I have all these amazing people around me that vibrate at the same frequency that I do. And I'm not too much for those people. So it's like, in a sense, 
it's that shift in a lot of ways. You just need to go find your tribe. You need to go find those people who are going to be able to understand you as opposed to hanging out with all the other people that don't. Sometimes it's not exactly easy, but sometimes you have to, you know, leave the nest of the people that are comfortable to you because you're never going to be one of them. It's that whole ugly duckling situation of where technically you're with a bunch of ducks, but technically you're a swan and you need to go find your swans. Yeah, totally agree. But that also requires that courage to relinquish that identity that uh, was built up. And there, there is a concept in psychology which is which escapes me now. But it's essentially the uh, fear of abandoning um, th- negativity in your life. Um, so whatever you have in your life, there is this fear of letting go of that even if it's something that is detrimental to you. So in your case, Barbie, and for me, it's similar because when I was a kid, I was always told to not be so sensitive. And, you know, sensitivity is my superpower. That's, you know, I can feel things that most others can't. Um, But that then took many years of being able to reframe uh, what sensitive meant to me. But... As a kid, I translated that into you're not lovable, right? And I think uh, probably the same for you, Barbie. And it is releasing those belief systems or those beliefs that will then ultimately allow us to heal the core wound. But how do we go about releasing these, um, these belief systems and these concepts that we have within ourselves? Thank you very much. Um, I suppose um, it's quite difficult to say how to, well, difficult to say is uh, maybe not a very fortunate phrasing, but I suppose there is a lot of core wound um, and, um, you know, I have loads of them and I'm still working on, on them. And I suppose what works for me might not work for everyone, but uh, the strategy that uh, really works for me is just to sit down and meditate. And in that meditation, I really can look at how I feel, how I am today, and what appears, what sort of the consciousness, uh, what is the content of my consciousness, what are the thoughts arising and going, what is my emotions. And the other things that I suppose that really helps or help me during my journey and healing my core wounds is traveling, going out, meeting different people, um, making different cultures and think okay um so i was born and raised in poland and i spent there first 19 life or 19 years of my life and i moved out and after like living somewhere else and traveling i can see that oh actually that belief that i had about you know this subject or the other subject was the belief of my tribe it wasn't my belief it wasn't something that i I believe anymore and I suppose the first thing that really works for me alongside meditation and traveling is reading and get to know uh, authors from and philosophers from all over the world getting to know eastern philosophy western philosophy um, and read science as well and just trying to get be well one of the things that I really kind of grasps is the fact that knowledge is almost infinite well it is not almost it is infinite and i'm never gonna learn and understand everything and i'm happy with that but i'm happy to learn and i'm happy to sit down at the end of the each day and just ask 
myself like what have I done today to become a better person and what I can do tomorrow and I still acknowledge that I have core wounds I'm you know human being I have my flaws and weaknesses and I'm happy with that and I'm happy to work with them the life is a process it's not about the reaching the destination it's about the journey very true thank you Carol and I think there are some some of the key points you was talking about there you know finding your stillness to allow these emotions to arise within you uh, but then also to uh, connecting with what Barbie was saying before about traveling uh, with the finding your tribe you know going out finding other cultures and other tribes and see how are they doing things uh, you know does my belief system that I brought with me from my tribe does that match other tribes as well and then finally as he was uh, referring to the education you know looking at how other people do it. Have other people gone through the same thing as I have? And what have they done to, uh, to heal their core wounds? A lot of times we can find similarities with other people. Thank you for that comment, Carl, because it's so absolutely accurate. It's going to sound kind of dark and strange that as a teenage girl, I used to read Kafka and Dostoevsky for fun. Like, 13 years old but it was one of those things of like reading Kafka and all the different kinds of stuff about the you know the societal distress and how you were basically you know like the castle and other novels like that where it would just literally there was all this oppression and things like that and it's like I really felt that and what you just said about travel is totally true because it's like I was bullied mercilessly from like third grade until 10th grade, but I literally still wouldn't allow people to squish my individuality and my opinion, which made people even try harder. But then I was an exchange student in Austria, my junior year of high school, and I had a brand new set of people. And it's like this brand new set of people, they celebrated me. My name was like, I got invited to every party, got to go to every single place. I mean, it was like, it was literally like every door opened up for me. And that was the first time at 16 years old, I was like, it's not me. It's not me. That was just that I was in this confined little small town that had this idea about who I was. And when you're already pegged and people already kind of decide who you are when you're little, they don't let you get another chance. They don't. They don't let you grow. They don't let you, you, you've got your place and you better stay in it. And so therefore going to Austria was like totally like my liberation. And from there I was like, no, I'm not going to let other people define who I am. And that to me is the answer to your question, Christopher, is that you have to go on a journey of self-discovery. You have to go on a journey of self-discovery to find a way to find acceptance of who you are and not wish that you're somebody else. And then you have to have an opportunity to love yourself and say, you know what, this is me, this is my body, this is my personality, this is my mind, and I'm going to do the very best that I can with it. Because sitting around wishing that you were somebody else doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form. It just makes your wound deeper. And so, yes, it takes a lot of courage to be able to leave that nest of ducks. But by the same token, it's really, really important. Because ultimately, if you go hang out with a bunch of swans who think you're awesome, why hang around with a bunch of ducks who think you're a jerk, or they don't like you? Very true. Thank you, Barbie. And uh, yeah, the, that is one of the key aspects is to find that way to love yourself. Yeah, I, I agree with Barbie because like for me, the biggest challenge was letting myself dream because I read the books, I did the work, 
Uh, I meet the people. I, I was moving. I changed places. I did a lot. Uh, but like then, like allowing yourself consciously to dream more, to want more, and accept yourself more on on the level that like not everybody speaks about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing that you will be criticized, you will be put um, in a different group than before. It, it's scary, and there is the fear. There is the consciousness and the logic brain, which always stop, stops you from moving. So uh, I, I do believe uh, like is the biggest step that we all do towards our dreams, letting ourselves dream. And I, I, I was walking this weekend for in the forest and I found a message and there was a message from someone that died like many years ago. And it was written just uh, like... Um, this is the right place to be. You can go anywhere, but if you're not here, you'll be nowhere. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it was probably a message that was meant to be because there was like really for a few hours, there was forest and the message was just put on a piece of stone there. Uh, and it really like uh, surprised me how sometimes the conscious people just leave piece of message somewhere out of nowhere to motivate people to to give the heart and the possibilities to others so i I think that we should all do a small piece of work somewhere there where there is no one because there is always someone that will find it that's beautiful anna and uh yeah i think that is the beautiful thing is being able to give give that healing unconditionally uh to others um, you know, and we talked about that last last week, I think. Um, you know, go into your uh, local shop and just tell the cashier you're doing a wonderful job, and feel how that connection feels, and just be be uh, unconditional about sharing that kind of a, a connection, and that will be then healing for someone else because you recognize them, you see them, and I think that is for a lot of people that is the the essence of the core wound is not having been seen or loved or uh, recognized or had had that connection uh, as a child that then becomes part of that core wound and that could um, come from different aspects but like we're saying here you know find a way to love yourself you know a couple, three years ago I would have turned around and said yes but how <laughs> so it is one of those challenges. I think once you're a little bit further down the road, you, you kind of, things just happen and you just go, well, I just figure out how to love myself. And it's like, well, how did you do it? And that's that's the core of the challenge, right? That's how we yeah. need to find. Yesterday I had a practical case with that self-love. I was speaking to a coach and he was explaining to me that he's still not a coach because he trained people and he don't take money. And I was like, but that doesn't mean you don't receive. It's like just it's just energy. And he was telling me, but he don't take it like a, in a financial way that they are not paying. And I'm saying like, but that doesn't mean you are not a coach or you're you not doing the work. It's just like different kind. Of, and the abundance is very different. Depends what's needed in a certain period of time. 
And we got to the point that he was like very convinced uh, and trying to convince me that he's still not the coach because it's not taking the money. And I was like, but that's not the way. And like, uh, it, it, it's not, that's the, the normal, like the pattern that we, we used to have. And uh, it's just the self-love. When you, you love yourself and you understand what's your value, then you, you don't need to put it exactly in amount of money you're putting it in anything that's needed for you and uh, yeah it's like one of the i i was just thinking yesterday how different it is when you do the work on a different level on a different way it's just like different understanding sure and when you when you do the work on yourself then the reward is the way that you show up in life and the way that people treat you you don't charge yourself for it right that uh, the rewards are just come in front of you and they just come to you right a, a challenge when we like you were uh, he was trying to bat away this this position as it were um perhaps he felt you know that he wasn't worthy to be that or the he was stuck in the the belief system that in order to be that i need to charge for it right but anyone who's commenting here you know the, the the information you share that becomes coaching to someone that becomes a valuable piece of information to someone who is meant to hear that so absolutely i think we show up as that uh, every single day all of us okay i i was just commenting on how i really liked everybody's share and i could definitely identify with um barbie about um the bullying and whatnot and <clears throat> she thought she was too much I thought I was too little like I was nothing and uh, <clears throat> I was going back to for some reason my mind brought me back to how I how I was able to stop self-sabotaging because um, <clears throat> I self-sabotaged until I got to the self-acceptance and um one of the things that was important is to um, <clears throat> is to talk to is to talk to somebody, not you know, to somebody that you trust, and um, really share with what's going on and taking a look at what <clears throat> is stopping you from like your limitations. And um, so I've been on this personal growth for a long time. I've done all different stuff, but. One of the things I've noticed about myself is that <clears throat> the, the ground pours are, are for me, um, I resist and <clears throat> because I have a lot of fear of facing them or letting them go or the pain. And um, <clears throat> so what I do is I, I start paying attention to my surroundings and if something keeps repeating themselves then it's like okay what is there's something that i have to learn and then i'll share about it and then then it'll start coming out you know and through that <clears throat> i'm able to you know kind of work with the meditation and you know the sharing and all that so that's kind of what i <clears throat> how i work the um the ground core yeah, so basically you look at, you identify your, your patterns and your triggers and you, you allow yourself to sit in safe security and meditation to allow those emotions to observe those emotions, right? 
Right. <clears throat> and I was also told that um, these um, ground core that I resist are <clears throat> there in their own mind are trying to protect me sure. from <clears throat> like outside um, old behaviors. So um, when I do be, when I am able to confront and really see uh, <clears throat> a ground core that, you know, was preventing me from getting past what I needed to get past. I would always say, um, I was always taught to say, thank you for being in my life. I no longer need you when I let you go. And yeah. <clears throat> I do that like through the meditation. It's just like, thank you. And you can go now. So <clears throat> that's another thing that I do to help let things go. Well, that, that becomes part of the reason why we say that we don't, we don't, uh, it's not, we don't dismiss our shadows. We don't dismiss our uh, core wounds. It's we integrate them. Yes. A, a because they they are part of us. They're part of our journey. They're part of our story. They're part of our the fabric that makes us. Uh, but we don't need to let them rule ourselves uh, rule us any longer. But also that they have, in actual fact, been there to as to as you say, protect us but it's protecting us from the mind of that child that first established that belief system. Exactly. That's exactly what I was, what I was trying to um, say. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so it is absolutely Maureen. It is important that we do show gratitude for these things having been in our lives because they, they have formed the person that you are today and, if they didn't, you would be someone else. So in order to love the the person that you are today, you have, the only way to do that is to recognize what uh, role these core wounds have uh, played in your life. However uh, hurtful or challenging they have been in your life, they there's irrefutable, the irrefutable fact is that they are and have been part of your life and that we integrate them and we're grateful for them, right? Yes, so the, so, so some of the ways that we can go about healing our core wounds uh, are, for example, to go and work with a psychiatrist in psychoanalysis or psychotherapy. Um, I'm biased here because I'm studying hypnotherapy, so hypnotherapy is a good way to go back and uh, deal with some of these core wounds. Um, I've done this in, uh, in, uh, in therapy and it's very effective. Um, energy clearings, like I was describing before that Barbie and I do. Um, and then, you know, the different healing modalities you have out there, whether that being reflexology, aromatherapy, art therapy, like Anna's doing at the moment, um, or any of these uh, therapies that are out there, whatever works for you, right? So it's it. That's why we're on this journey of exploration to find and educate ourselves to find these different ways to to uh, forge a path to finding that core wound. And that's why I say, you know, when those triggers show up, they open a door for you to follow uh, the breadcrumbs back to 
that core wound or that original sensitizing event. So that's why the, the triggers are so valuable because they are really there to show you the way. They are the, the map, the compass, and the torchlight that you can then follow back to the core wound and the original sensitizing event for you to be able to start working on it. So we can use all of these different modalities, but at the end of the day, it's us as individuals. We're the ones that have to do the, the, the work. We are the ones that have to do the heavy lifting. A lot of times people show up in therapy or what have you, they show up expecting to be healed, which is not quite the case because it, all you're doing is revealing things for them or for ourselves that uh, they can then start working on. The work is internal and the work has to happen internally. Uh, the quote, the healer, the therapist, whatever it may be, can only lift the rocks off of the uh, of the uh, the wound for you to be able to see it. I think too, in the sense of where, since I think the brain is actually like just from human biology is trained to look for negativity. Mm -hmm. In fact, we have to look for you know saber tooth tigers or if somebody was coming to attack us, etc. But I think if you continue to look for evidence that everything's negative, you're going to find it. You're going to keep finding it, keep finding it, keep finding it. But it's almost like I imagine in the sense of where it's like you have all of these people that are in these hard, crusty shells running around the world, just basically saying, I'm unlovable, I'm unlovable, I'm unlovable, I'm unlovable. And then they basically just run around and they're not because ultimately then they're like, see, see, I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. And you like kind of fight for your for your like argument as to, you know, why this is true, because there's so much evidence to tell you that that's true. But it's almost like what you're talking about with the with the self-analysis and other things like that. You have to almost turn yourself inside out. You have to start almost like shining the light on the inside to the point of where you almost like start swirling this beautiful light and you open yourself up to the point of where you're like, okay, that's fine. I see all this negativity around myself, but now I'm going to go look for something positive intentionally. And then I'm going to go look for something else positive intentionally and oh look i just found two things that were positive oh look now there's five things that are positive oh look now there's 10 and now there's 20 and now i mean you know the people i'm talking to now allison is literally like just this like miracle magnet of manifestation of where it's just like woo, you're just flying around the world because of the fact that you have the courage the audacity to go out there and be bold and be bright and shine your radiance because of the fact that you have the opportunity to step into this completely different space and it's, it's not that it's been easy, not nothing is perfect and still isn't, but by the same token, it's like, if you have that, you know, I almost imagine Wonder Woman in that 1970s, used to love Linda Carter. She used to do that spin of, you know, or else the next thing you should spin and her ponytail and her glasses would fly off. And the next thing you know, she's in this like, you know, hot costume with that, that bodice corset, but there's no way in hell she could have run in that damn thing because no but anyway it's still you know she's got this gorgeous outfit and then she's standing there and just like i'm wonder woman and i can fly and i can you know basically blast bullets off etc and it's like it doesn't have to be that you're a comic book but it's stepping into your best self i mean even in the class that we teach science of science we talked about the golden shadow look at your golden shadow who is this gorgeous wonderful amazing person that you can be and if you step into that version of yourself and start living as if you are that person, everything will shift. But it's still, it's having that courage to be able to bust out of that darkness initially of all that negativity that you continue to feed for yourself. And one of the first things is that you need to turn off all those pings on your phone 
that tell you everything negative. That's the number one thing you need to do and start listening to as many things as you can that are positive. To give a little bit of a uh, uh, background to that, if you have your amygdala firing all the time, your reticular activating system is going to continuously look for that the rustling as in the bushes, as it were, with the uh, if there's a snake or a, a tiger or whatever it may be, it's going to perpetually look for those negativities around you, because uh, once the amygdala is firing, it's you can't just turn it off. It has to be uh, soothed, as it were. So uh, it becomes our job, and that's why it's oftentimes so challenging. Like when I started my journey. Uh, if someone, if Barbie had come to me and said, step into your golden shadow, I, I'd be like, well, I don't believe that. So it's, it's building up the belief within yourself to also to little by little to say, I believe I can be this. And sometimes people have to take smaller steps. Sometimes there's a huge shift and you can take a big leap. But it's being able to believe that because once you start shifting that, then you tell your reticular activating system in your brain to look for the positive. So if you believe in yourself that you are lovable, you will find your brain will then start looking for signs that validate that. It's the confirmation bias that confirms the beliefs about yourself or the beliefs that you hold. So this is where those core wounds, they... They are hidden, and but they act in the background because they keep feeding us or feeding the RAS the uh, information that this is what we believe about ourselves, and our confirmation bias then uh, forces us to look for or uh, see those things to confirm that truth to us. So this is part of that turning ourselves inside out to reprogram our belief system, so that our brain actually starts looking for those positive aspects that we, uh, we are all to find. In my process, and the, we talked about this uh, when we talked about spiritual bypass, one of the reasons I discovered spiritual bypass was because I was exercising. I was on the journey of you know spiritual awakening, if you like. Basically, it came down to, well, I asked myself the question, well, if I don't incorporate these things that I now uh, see as true and believe in, if I don't incorporate them into my personality, then I'm living two lives. So that's when my journey really started to bring into alignment uh, my higher self, if you like, into alignment with my physical expression. And that's when I really started working with my core wounds and I started understanding how to actually heal them because it was so important to me to bring this higher expression of myself into physical uh, manifestation. And that's, uh, that was part of my journey. So I think a lot of times when we try to work on our core wounds, we, when, we, when we start doing that work, we're going to have all that in, all the emotions are going to start rising up because they, it's essentially emotions that are stored in our body. And when we lift the lid off of it, they're going to start floating up. But the reason they're stuck there is because we didn't want to deal with them to begin with because they hurt, they're uncomfortable, they're not very pleasant to deal with. 
So that's why we suppress them, we swipe them away, we resist them ad nauseum to the till the cows come home, right? Now, when we lift that lid off the uh, these core wounds, we are going to experience these uh, emotions that we've suppressed, and it's allowing ourselves the 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 time and the process and being patient with ourselves to allow these uh, emotions to tr- uh, come up and be acknowledged and that we experience them because then that also helps to build our emotional intelligence. And then we can allow these uh, emotions to escape out from us. And one by one, as they go out, little by little, we start healing those core wounds. But, you know, it is like they talk <coughs> talk about in uh, Vedic tradition or in Hinduism, when you talk about karmic energy, that there are, for every experience, there might be 50 different karmic energies that need to be healed. And so we can uh, deal with these one by one and suddenly go, oh, well, finally, I've dealt with all of them. And then next week, something new shows up. And we're like, oh, when are we going to be done with this? But it's the patience and the faith that, you know, when you are working on it, you are doing the work. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, I was going to say for for myself, what I identified as a core wound is the feeling of abandonment. My mm-hmm. mom had passed away when I was six. She had cancer. So, of course, it, you know, it wasn't her fault that that uh, she when left. Six, that, uh, that doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And and I always thought that. I had dealt with it, that I was okay, that I had integrated it. And then through the years, what I would find is as things would, would come up, I would get this total feeling of, of panic if I had any sort of sense that I was being abandoned, right? It would just be mm-hmm. like total panic in my body. And, and then I, I started to identify what it actually was that it's that that feeling of abandonment that that exact feeling coming back up again and so the more that i was able to recognize that and see what it was and just ask myself where is this actually coming from am i really being abandoned how old is that part of me like going back to ask that question how old is that that part of me that's feeling that that's been able to really help me and to continue to work on it and, and be vulnerable with people and, and share that um, just so they, they know that it's something that I'm aware of and I'm working on it and, and that I own it. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It, it totally belongs to myself and reassuring that that six-year-old part of myself that, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's not your fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. And know that that six-year-old self of mine is looked after and, and taken care of now. So it is a journey. It is a journey. And it, each time you think you've got it, like you were saying, you think you've got it, you think you've taken care of it, then something else happens. Another situation comes up that that you feel like you're being abandoned again. And mm-hmm and then go back and well we, oh. <laughs> and, we, and we and we do look for these situations to because that that's definitely one of my core wounds as well um 
then we do look for the situations that validate that. So we we bring about experiences that we are going to end up feeling abandoned in because that's it kind of it repeats itself, right? Have you, is mm-hmm. that your, your experience too, Brenda? Yeah, that ha- that that has been my experience. Um, as as I've been doing more healing work, though, it, that pattern doesn't have to continue. Yeah. Right. So when you're not aware of it, then yeah, it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. It keeps coming up until you do more and more and more work, and then you you catch it sooner and and pivot and react differently in the situation yeah, so, so that you realize you're not being abandoned. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, uh, it isn't part of the process is identifying that pattern of behavior, pattern of beliefs or pattern of how things occur in your life. Right. So it's, it is a, it is a challenge to, to see that, but, it's that awakening that takes place and that you start to notice because you ask yourself the question like what the heck is going on right Mm -hmm. and once you ask yourself that question then your brain is compelled to give you an answer Um, and oftentimes that could then be be the uh, catalyst for the awakening process as it were Um, but yeah the going back and doing that and that's where in hypnotherapy for example we do uh the regression uh the uh, we can do you know uh, age regression or we can do past life regression mm-hmm. um and the same thing in energy clearing it's going back and clearing and reassuring the aspect of yourself in that at that point or the aspect of yourself that's six years old that it's okay uh, and then uh, allowing that to integrate into the adult version of yourself and it's often that uh, that uh, difference that you you kind of left the part of yourself in that six-year-old that you then are able to integrate into uh, your adult version because your adult version is going to have a totally different perspective right so yeah. when you're six years old and your mother dies, your six-year-old mind, A, is not going to understand that any thoughts that you have is different. From, you have no concept of individual thought. So the thoughts yeah. you have, you think everybody else has. So if you think abandonment, then you think that everybody else has the exact same thought. Mm. So that's, that's so interesting. So that's part of why that becomes. And I think it's only when you're like nine, 10 years old, or yeah, between eight and 10 years old, that you become aware of the concept of individual thought. Um, that's why if, if you tell a child off uh, in a younger age in a way that they are going to feel isolated or they're going to not feel loved, then that, if I tell my child something in a way that they're not going to feel loved and I don't reinforce that they are loved, they are going to then take that thought and believe that I am actually thinking that too, that Mm. I think they are not lovable. And that is where the the source, many, many of the sources of uh, these core wounds appear. 
is that, that up until that particular age. And the, the whole reason is because there's no concept of individual thought. And this is why in conscious parenting, it is so important that we look at the child's experience from the perspective of the child and not from the perspective of us as the parents because our brain is different from theirs. The brain is not quite fully developed, uh, far from it. Um, and some of these concepts that we take for granted are uh, quite foreign to them. And then the same with the neurodivergent children uh, or people, adults even, uh, their perception of reality is going to be very different from what we consider the norm, right? Yeah, that's that's so true. That's such good points. I hadn't thought about it in that way before. But what I find is that a lot of times, whether it's our ourselves or other people, the tendency is always to point the finger outwards, right? Say, oh, it's it's that person that's causing this. Like, you know, in in my case of uh, feeling abandoned, well, so and so is abandoning abandoning me, or so and so is abandoning me and flipping it back around to look at my own self well which i think we have to do all the time anyway uh flipping it back around to look at my own self okay where did this come up before and where's this from to to really dig down into it and and recognize that there's nothing that anybody else can do it's it comes back to me and what i can do to to help heal and repair that that core wound of my own self well, and it goes back to what we can control, right? It's the we can't control anything but our thoughts, words, and actions. Um, and the the fact of the matter is, when we sit down and look at all the experiences through our lives, the only one single common uh, denominator in every single action that you, in your life is you. Yeah. So that then becomes the okay. What choice do I have? in these different experiences you have all the choices in the world might be some very difficult choices but you always have a choice right mm -hmm. so for the, the six-year-old to have a choice about thinking abandonment or anything else yes that's a very challenging choice because you, your brain is not quite developed yet but there's still the choice right and it, it's allowing when we recognize that, that can sometimes piss us off because that means we've made all these choices in our lives that led up to some really uh, challenging uh, opportunities to learn about ourselves. But at the same time, it then gives us the option to say, well, if I had the choice and I had this superpower of choice, what can I do about the rest of my life? And then I can choose to look at the positive things. I can choose to um, look at, uh, open myself up to opportunities and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. I, I also really love what you said about looking at things from, from the child's perspective. And I think that could be a whole other topic of conversation. Oh yes, conscious, conscious parenting. There's a huge topic, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely not uh, an expert at it. I'm, a, I am a parent, and I try my best, but <laughs> not, not, not always saying the exact right thing. But one, one tries. <laughs> well, I think it's a learning journey for, for uh, anybody who interacts with, 
with children, whether you're a parent or not. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I have a friend uh, who, whenever she does something silly with her children, she goes, uh, okay, I better put another $100 in the uh, uh, therapy jar for them. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, we do give our, and that's another going back to what Maureen was saying before, uh, showing that gratitude to the to the core wounds. As parents, we do give our children opportunities to learn. How, but how is it uh, that we want them to learn? Right? We do want them to learn, have an opportunity to learn lessons about themselves. But how do we go about doing that? Do we want them to have a can show or a satori moment? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your a, a awakening moment or a, a, a life lesson moment, right? So it's those choices we make as parents as well. Anna, go ahead. So good. For me, the biggest uh, like challenge as a, as a mom uh, when it comes to understanding the kids is like understanding that like uh, it's not only the men's women connection. But is the language you speak to a boy child and a girl child is totally different. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like that my husband don't understand me much when I speak to him on a way I think he's, uh, he, he is supposed to understand. So like we're completely different mechanisms and children taught me how to speak uh, on a way to be understandable because they are not afraid to tell me like I don't understand. Mm-hmm. or that's not logical, or uh, that's how funny or something. They are very straight. Uh, and it doesn't matter like how logical to me it is. To them, it, it can look like completely wrong. So then I understand that really like women can be from Mars and <laughs> boys <laughs> are from other planet. <laughs> but like it, it do make sense that like we... we it's not only like our self-love, self-acceptance, it's also the differences that we need to see in others in order to be able to, to behave differently, understand differently, and accept stuff differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not only our children. We have to watch out for the, our spouses and people around us as well. And that's, uh, you know not to digress too much but uh, that then goes into who are we in our external environment and recognizing how we show up as role models in our environment and that in order to help our children uh, not having to deal with the core wounds as they grow older one one aspect is to show up as a role model uh, and working with our core wounds because they are going to have core wounds. There, there's no doubt about it because they are interacting. It doesn't matter how conscious we might be as parents. They are interacting with children uh, at school. They're interacting with their friends, their teachers, what have you. And they are going to, at some point, pick up things that don't necessarily come from the home, but it comes from uh, the environments outside the home. And that's fine. But if we as parents don't work on our core wounds, then we're not resourcing them to recognize it. They may not recognize it now, but they might, if we allow them to, or teach them how to recognize patterns, they will be able to recognize that much earlier in their life 
you know, late tw- uh, teens or early twenties, and not having to wait to the middle aged like I did. But <laughs> so, absolutely, it's it's one of those things that we can do. And again, showing up as role models to other adults, they can then look at us and go, "Oh, why is that? Why is he smiling all the time? Why why is he so happy all the time? I that, I I kind of like that. How 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 can I achieve that?" So you don't need to go, we don't need to go out and preach to anybody. We just show up as role models and others will recognize the value of that. So one aspect that I think is really key to understand when you're doing this work is that when you are able to raise your vibrations so that in your body, when you are able to go from feeling uh anger or feel you know the the predominant feeling or emotion that you have in your body when you're able to shift that into something that is more akin to understanding love compassion whatever level you're going to be at once you can shift it into those other levels as your predominant feeling within your body that's when you're going to know that you are starting to release more and more of these core wounds and they if you are able able to perpetuate these uh, these levels if you like then it also becomes easier to deal with those core wounds because the things that come up you don't attach yourself to them you don't cling to them they don't become you know so detrimental to you thank you i think uh, also to your points and also in the sense of where and what Brenda was talking about is like, I think a lot of times we think, and I don't, I don't know if this is true for men, because I can only, as a woman, I can just say that a lot of times I think that women feel like we have to be human doings. And as a result, it, it it's like, you always have to feel like you have to do things to mm-hmm. gain other people's approval or, sure. or have people like you. And ultimately I think the difference is the, turning yourself into a human being. And that's, again, it's that radiance of your own inner, inner vibration. It's that expanding out, clearing out all of your junk so that people can see you. Because a lot of times I think what happens is that that crusty shell I was talking about, I think a lot of people are walking around, they're completely hidden. And it's like, don't, don't look at me. Don't notice me. Don't notice me. Don't notice me. Don't notice me. And then ultimately this is, you know, from a place of self-love, you're literally, as I was saying, going inside out and shining this beautiful sunshiny ball of who you really are. And then people can actually see you. And then from there, they can recognize and find you. And then you can find the people that I was talking about, you know, that are important to you, et cetera. And those people aren't going to let you down. And that's the most beautiful thing. But I also think too, in regards to what you're talking about with parenting and other things like that, is that I wish in conscious parenting, people were able to talk to children in the sense of distinguishing between the behavior and the child and having the conversation in the sense of where what you're doing right now is not appropriate or I don't like it, but it's, but I still, you're a wonderful child. And, you know, I think you're great, but this particular behavior is not acceptable, you know, fighting or, or swearing or other things like that. And I think if the child understands that it's the behavior that's not liked, as you were saying before about the individuated thought, then the child doesn't feel like, oh, I did something bad, so therefore I am bad. I think that's the internalized thing that gets switched out. And so it's like, no, you kicking that boy in in the head is not an okay thing for you to do. So, you know, even though I know normally you don't kick kids in the head, 
let's or be nice to kitty or be nice to the doggy and things like that. But it's not the behavior of the child. And so it's like it's an interesting thing of where you watch child development, where a lot of times children who feel like they have been labeled bad, they will start acting accordingly. And kids who are labeled good will start acting accordingly, too. And a lot of girls will start to be that good girl because they get rewarded for being complacent and compliant. And Dr. Shafali Sabari, she talks about that in her new book, too. It's the idea about being kind of suffocated into this prescriptive status of saying that you're supposed to be in this place. And instead it's, it's looking for transcendent relationships in your life. The ones that basically are going to nourish your soul, the ones that are going to allow you to be able to grow. And then in addition to that, finding other people that also want to help other people to do the same thing. And then from that perspective, it's like, it becomes almost like, you know, viral in a positive way of where you're basically your, your viral sunshine. And from a perspective of being viral sunshine, you can bring this beautiful message to as many people as possible of where you turn everybody else on with their light and say, hey, turn on your switch, turn on your light. I want to see how bright you can shine. And then the next person, why don't we have you turn on your light so you can shine and having the courage to do that because you come and show up as you talk about as a role model to show other people how to do it. Yes, viral positivity. Absolutely. I think it's happening and we are we are at the forefront of a lot of that stuff and it's going to be it's going to be huge and I'm so excited but as as you know people also have to be courageous to say hey we've gone through this dark night of soul we've gone through it it hasn't been pretty and you know we're still in it but there's no perfection it's never like oh I'm 70 and I did all the personal work and now I'm perfect <laughs> it's just not ever going to happen no um well unless you fully realize your Jesus self or your Buddha self, um, which I suppose some people do, but I haven't experienced it yet myself, but uh, perhaps uh, one day. But yeah, I think the, like you were saying before, uh, saying earlier there, Barbie, about hiding away, it also becomes a journey about finding yourself in that. Uh, You have to find yourself before you can reveal yourself to others, right? and finding yourself and accepting yourself. And when we talk, and I, whenever my daughter, especially my youngest one, she, whenever she says to me, like, oh, Papa, am I being a good girl? It's like a knife in my heart, you know? It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> core wounds, core wounds. Um, and then it's my job to uh, talk to her about it and say, you know, understand why she feels that she needs to have that validated to her. But it's so important, the understanding what we can control in terms of our uh, thoughts, our words, our actions, the words we use, like you're saying, Barbie, to not say, don't be like this, but rather, why are you acting like that? What is this behavior that you are adopting? It's not you, it's the behavior. What is that? Right? So we're so quick to say, you are this, as opposed to, why are you acting like this? And that's the big difference because then the child doesn't associate with as uh, they don't identify with the, the action. Uh, if you put the action outside of them, if you accuse them of being the action, then they're going to associate with it for sure. So one thing I want to leave you guys with is as you're doing this work and you have these emotions come up, Oftentimes, we go fall back into old patterns of trying to swipe them away, bat them away, suppress them, ignore them, because some of them are very uncomfortable and they 
they feel and they vibrate throughout our entire body and they are uncomfortable to sit with. But recognize that your emotions are a way for your body to communicate with you. So if you are able to observe your emotions as they come up, you can then start to hear what your body is trying to tell you. And then you can build a totally different relationship with those emotions. So the, uh, like Maureen was saying before, uh, Carol as well, being able to sit with these emotions in meditation, find that stillness. So if you have an emotion come up, try to just breathe and observe the emotion from the, point, uh, the perspective of your awareness and then allow that emotions come up and reveal itself to you and communicate with you. So just observe it, don't criticize it, don't judge it, don't analyze it, just allow it to reveal itself to you and reveal, you know, what's the texture, what's the color associated with it, what's the shape, uh, does it have a name, are there words associated with it? Because all of these things will then make the uh, make you under make your consciousness uh, able to uh, interpret what your body is trying to tell you so it is that line of communication that we resist but once we allow it there's going to be this beautiful unfoldment where your emotional uh, intelligence is going to go through the roof you are going to start releasing these emotions and you're going to start healing your core wounds and you are going to move into that flow of life where you're going to just see life in a completely different perspective. Still going to be challenges, but those challenges will not be so challenging anymore because you are going to see them from a different perspective. As always, thank you everybody for bringing your best versions to this this, this discussion. I appreciate it. Thank you all. See you all later. Have a good one. I hope you've gained an insight to uh, what core wounding is and perhaps how it applies to you. And, and also looking at uh, your own self and start asking questions. How does this affect me in my life? And how can I discover and identify these core wounds within myself to allow them to be healed and to move on from that? To live a fuller life and richer life. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you can go to theinfinity.live to uh, look at the program that we offer there, for which is an eight-week pro- eight program to learn how to release your core wounds and uh, your energy blockages. Otherwise, uh, why don't you hop on over to thealchemyexperience.co.uk to explore these aspects within yourself a little bit further and see how we might be able to help you in our coaching workshops. And we do offer a 30-minute free consultation uh, on the website, so just click on that and book your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing you there. In any case, I hope we'll see you at the next podcast, released every Friday at 11.11 GMT, or rather London time. In the meantime, take care.